0: Welcome to another edition of the Ducks Confidential Podcast. I am James Creppy, and he is Aaron Fentress. And we will jump into and review, uh, such as it was, uh, Oregon's game with Stony Brook a little bit. Uh, but we will really get much more into Arizona week, as obviously the FCS games are uh, not much to write home about, uh, not much to take a lot from uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, the only objective is to get a win. Uh, so with that said, Aaron, it was ultimately a 48-7 to win. Uh, your assessment of the performance that was.
1: Well, you know, it's, <laughs> we've seen many of these FCS games. Uh, yes, the, the goal is to win and, and exit healthy. Uh, you know, one could nitpick certain things and say they didn't look particularly good at all in the first half. Um, you know, I thought Stony Brook was. They didn't score a lot of points, but they were pretty su- more successful on the offense than I expected them to be. And then offensively for Oregon, 17 points. That, that's the lowest they've scored against an FCS opponent. I went back to 2009, I think nine or something like that. They were averaging, I think 35, I ha- and, excuse me, 35 points in every first half since 2010. I think I went back 11, I think, uh, with this being the lowest by far. So what does that mean? Does that mean sky's falling? No, it doesn't. Um, but if for me, if you're looking for reasons to wonder what this team's going to do in conference, you're I'm always looking for evidence of being dominant, and I wanted to see them dominate that first half. They didn't dominate Fresno State, which is a good football team. Clearly, they're not going to dominate Ohio State, so I was a little disappointed they, they didn't just come out and just drop an easy 35-37 on Stony Brook in the first half. It's not a huge deal, but I would have liked to have seen them play better.
0: Yeah, to me, you'd take a step back from it and, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's still a six-score win. And they rested pretty much their entire two deep on the edges of the defense. The offense, In terms of the first half, yeah, 17-7, I understand. It was not exactly a thrilling first half. But if it were 31-0 at halftime and 17-7 in the second half, we literally have nothing to talk about. It was just the matter in which it was done. And... I don't put a ton into it only in that, well, one, the other team, FCS or not, is trying uh, for a while.
1: As long as they can go, because physically they're going to get worn down. That's part of the second half. Yeah,
0: for as long as they can. And they came in and made no secret about it. They made no bones about it. They talked about it during the week. They were going to play ball control. They did. They did exactly that. And credit to them. And they ran the ball. Now you could say, well, yeah, but if you're Oregon, you don't want them to run the ball effectively. I didn't say that. (laughs) Ultimately, they had two sustained drives, and one included a fourth down conversion, where they made a nice play. That's where they scored. That's what took up five-plus minutes off the clock. And on the second sustained drive, Bro McKinley had a second interception. Those Those two drives ate up you know, north of, I believe, like 10 or 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I understand that it was not the greatest half by any stretch, but in terms of the first half of play, what was there really to gripe about by way of performance? It really came down to the line of scrimmage. You Couldn't say Anthony Brown didn't play poorly. He was 14 of 18. He was efficient. And the couple of throws that he missed were deep overthrows, where if you're going to miss him, miss it deep. The running game before the two sacks at the end of the half was averaging, I think, like north to seven yards a carry. Even with line play that wasn't spectacular. Defensively, they had two takeaways and forced two punts on five drives. So you go, all in all, what exactly was there to really criticize? What we were criticizing was that Stony Brook sustained a couple of drives and ate up the clock and ran effectively using 12 personnel, Heavy, two tight ends on one side of the line, heavily. Uh mainly to the boundary, uh the short side of the field. But when they did it to their right side of their formation, where their offensive line, and I'm not telling you they're great. They're not. They're not a good FCS team. But they had a 330 pound guard and a 340 some odd pound right tackle. You combine that with a couple of tight ends up against a defense that was resting again all those guys on the edges and was playing really young players particularly at the one edge position and they weren't going out there trying to match personnel with crazy heavy defensive line that went heavier but not crazy (laughs) it was what it was they it wasn't a spectacular performance in the first half but it just was but like I said then in the second half it's 31 nothing and you go all right well if you got that in the first half we literally have nothing to say here. It's, they handled their business. They walked in, they came, they saw they conquered and we move on, which is more or less what the end result was. It was just.
1: And that, all, and all that's fine. But regardless, it was the worst performance against FCS program in at least a decade. What does that mean? It could mean absolutely. Well, in the half. Okay. In the second half, this is all I'm going to say about the second half. Stony Brook. A team like Stony Brook is going to get completely worn down by the second half because they're just outmatched yeah. physically, right? Yeah. You said yourself, if Oregon wanted to, they could have won by a hundred. I asked you if you, if you stripped yeah. the first and second team units off of Oregon's roster, you said they'd win by four touchdowns. So that's just the, about the talent differential between these two teams. So in the second half, they're going to wear out. Plus they were playing backups as well. I mean, they're going to get some, backups uh, only the, the
0: last two series.
1: <clears throat> only last two series, they didn't have yeah. any backups ever at any point in.
0: Well, the, but guys went down and got hurt. Yeah, sure. But. Just
1: like with Oregon, Oregon had a few guys who were right. backups, and right. so, okay, so that. But those things happen in every FCS game Oregon has played. It's not like Oregon's game plan for everyone else. Oregon only plays starters against everyone else. The point is, is your your main guys are out there for that first half. They're strongest in that first half, and that's when they looked mediocre. Second half, they ran away from them. but who scored? I mean, most of those touchdowns in the second half were scored by um a lot of backups were out there. I remember scoring touchdowns, and they were running some of the most vanilla stuff ever. So those players who were scoring those touchdowns, or Ty Thompson throwing two of the easiest touchdown passes in the history of mankind, have no bearing on the players that matter most moving forward. That's all I'm saying. So again, I mean, we're probably overkilling this. I'm just saying that when I'm looking for evidence of dominance from – your first team offense and your first team defense. I saw some from the defense. I you saw moments from the offense, but to me, seventeen seven is just like what? What the hell's going on with this team? Had they played that way against the Pac twelve team, they probably would have been down seventeen seven at halftime. But again, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't mean they're not going to still run the table. It just means that eh, it was just lackluster. So right, we don't yeah. need to be the dead horse.
0: I mean, ultimately, we we talked in, in a sense about Fresno State about how would it look, you know, weeks later. What would you say, especially if they beat Ohio State? Well, now, not only do they beat Ohio State, now Fresno State is—you could actually argue—under ranked where it is in the twenties. So, um, again, I'm not making the point that Stony Brook's any good. They're not. And I said that if they wanted, they could have made it super lopsided, and if they're, especially they're fully healthy, and that their third team could have won by four scores. And look at the second half, and they won by four scores. So grand scheme of things, it was what it was. They got, they came, they saw, they conquered in the grand scheme of things. The only thing that truly mattered was, obviously, Anthony Brown Jr. going down before halftime with an apparent injury, uh, which brings us to our, our next point, obviously, and that is the status of Brown and Kayvon Thibodeau. The word is uh, quite optimistic on Anthony Brown. Uh, Mario had said as much yesterday uh, when we spoke with him that feels like he's looking good and Shouldn't be, you know, really should not be a really should not be a question for this week so that's good on KT it's still a day by day thing again we'll see how this week continues uh, but on one hand you'd love to be able to say as a just purely optimistic standpoint that hey missed a big game missed a game that was irrelevant in the grand scheme of things get back for league play again does Oregon need him to beat Arizona no
1: no no. no. <laughs> This but, is almost like this is almost like sitting him out for another FCS opponent in many ways. <laughs> it's
0: getting unfortunately for Arizona. To, to, I mean, it is getting to that point, but and it's so That's early. It's the
1: prime time, the ESPN game for crying out loud. Uh, anyway,
0: well, answer. because <laughs> they, there was only two ranked teams to pick from 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 the Pac-12, when they picked the game. But yeah. point is, is ultimately, look again. I'm I'm, I'm not the, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. Then I'm not you know out there uh, if he's ready and if he's cleared. I'm sure he'll play. If he's not, he won't. He won't. And that's that's really all there is to it. Um, you know, you got a little bit of context in that regard from uh, from Tim Darude yesterday, saying, "Yeah, I mean, KT wanted to play on Saturday. Said he wanted to even play just the third down, just to get out there. But of course, it's a little bit jokingly, but didn't play. Didn't play because he's not cleared. Now, could that change today? Could that change tomorrow? Could it change Thursday? Yeah, sure, absolutely." But the other part of this is that he has legitimately also missed time on the field now for two plus weeks. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, you're not worried about him getting up to speed, but it's just the point that, you know, it's an ankle sprain. An ankle sprain's going to knock guys out for a couple of weeks. It does. So, all right, unfortunate. But in the grand scheme of things from last Saturday, the most important thing was health. AB went down. But that look, looked at the time precautionary, and it sounds like it just was. Keith Brown was held out. That just outright was precautionary. Stephen Jones went down. Again, we didn't get an exact ruling of what occurred, but in watching the play, you see that as he falls with the defender, either the defender's helmet that came off hits him in the gut, and you think, oh, he got his wind knocked out of him, but then why did he leave the game if he had his wind knocked out of him? Mm-hmm. And his helmet hit the back of another player's leg as they fell. And I think that's really more or less what it was. But Mario said he was doing well. So from a health and uh, general wellness standpoint for the team, things are looking pretty good entering conference play. That's what you're really looking for coming off the SCS game. The biggest question still being Kayvon uh, Thibodeau. For the players who are out longer term, well, that's you know unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Um, there there isn't necessarily a big change there, but in lieu of absolutes, uh, and until we have absolutes with Anthony Brown or anything else, and even if we did, quite frankly, you still had a couple of the quarterbacks play, uh, mainly Ty Thompson, obviously in the second half and Jay Butterfield late. What did you think of Ty Thompson in particular, uh, Aaron?
1: Uh, man, it was tough to tell much because the stuff they ran for him was pretty, you know, simple. Back in the flat swing, a uh, <coughs> quick screen was the first play hitch. Uh, the most complicated play he ran, he had a hitch to the outside, a corner route, and then a seam, and he totally forced the seam. It looked like it was almost picked, uh, when he should have hit the hitch. And what's funny is that Moorhead came right back with the same route combination, minus the seam to the left side with the hitch with the corner route. He immediately threw the hitch on that one. Uh, I thought, I thought the the nicest play for me, was the, um, one, the overthrow to Devin Williams only because, well, it wasn't even overthrow. Devin Williams was grabbed. it so was PI, but I liked how he felt the pressure coming in from, from the defensive end to the right who got inside the right tackle and then, you know, was able to sidestep that, get in position to make the throw. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not something that makes you go, Oh my God. But given what they gave him to do, that was probably the most interesting thing I thought he did. He definitely has a nice arm. He definitely moves well. Uh, They just didn't give him much, really, To, to that was challenging. Even the, the long touchdown pass to Thornton, good God, could a guy be more wide open? <laughs> like, I don't know what Stony Brook was doing on that coverage, but it was a wheel behind the go, and there was no one out there. And he just zips it in there, and the guy runs for a touchdown. Great block by Troy Frank- Franklin, by the way. So, no, I, th- I thought he looked like, you know, a solid prospect. I could compare it to Tyler Shuck against Nevada when he got extensive time a few years ago. And it was a lot of the same things, a lot of, you know, same easy throws. He even scored on, he threw a touchdown pass on a, on a play action, tight end down the middle, completely uncovered, uh, touchdown similar, not the same distance, but similar situation. And Chuck looked like a, you know, a decent prospect. And now he's gone, but Ty Thompson looked like a decent prospect and we'll see how he develops and see what else he can do with more time and more complicated situations.
0: Yeah, to me, it really came down, especially for true freshmen, regardless of, of who the number two quarterback is, number three quarterback is, is is their first game time. No matter who the, you know, no matter who it was who we're talking about, it was their first game time. Yes, it's an FCS opponent, but they were playing again. They were still playing their starters. They're playing for real because it was seventeen seven. It was the start of the second half, right? Uh, and <clears throat> even with a couple of plays that early on. That I think, quite honestly, I'm not sure there was anybody to quote-unquote blame. I think it was just more the defense called the play to kind of blow up the play. <laughs> uh We just go the play was doomed. Uh For instance, I thought all three sacks, uh, while there was offensive line issues before half, but you couldn't blame the quarterback on any of the three. I don't think you could blame Anthony on the two that he got hit before half. I don't think you could blame Ty on the sack that he took. No. I thought it was just, but, but I, all this, right, well.
1: I you talking the one he tried to throw away? No, uh. Was that a sack?
0: Know. Yeah, no, I don't, no, no, no. Not the one he tried to throw away. Either Did he get sack sacked? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. again, he, he, one he, night night, the one he, shit, the one he threw
1: away and he shouldn't have thrown. Well, the one he tried to throw the, into the flat. As he was getting tackled, which he should not have thrown. I forgot about that one. That was a bad moment. He's got to just eat that. But But that was the exact same blitz. That was the exact same blitz that got Brown. It was just on that one was a corner blitz, but on Brown was just an edge guy, but exact same combination stunts and everything. And I was, I was wondering how, how did Oregon's offensive line not to not figure out how to pick it up the next time? But anyway, continue.
0: No, but yeah, Ty basically he he did what was asked of him for the most part. The moment in and of itself of playing was not too big. Uh, yeah, you you mentioned, yeah, there were a couple of throws that maybe were not pristine, but grand scheme of things, nothing truly awful. I mean, even talking about nine throws, I mean, let, let's not go crazy. Yeah. Uh, and one where, yeah, the sack happened. There was also the, I don't know if they technically call it, what they've been calling passes versus uh, runs sometimes on these laterals. Oh, those pitches? Yeah those, quick
1: pitches? yeah, those quick pitches? see that
0: as it may. There was a pitch to Verdell. That got blown up on a second down where <clears> you just got to tip your cap to the defense. The defense just called the right play. Yeah. And the play had no chance because the end, the field side end dropped and just followed CJ on the snap where CJ had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. So the play ended up uh, knocking everything off schedule and you go. Oh, well, the drive ends as it does without points. I go, well, why'd that happen? Well, it happened because the defense just happened to make a nice play. I mean, just, just was. So for the couple of instances, one way, there are obviously, like you say, some throws that were nice, some that were just, they were there. And he, as the coaching adage, coach speak thing goes, take what the defense gives you. Well, Ty took whatever was given to him. Except for Uh, one. There was quite a
1: Except for once. Yeah. Yeah. The, seam, the seam down the middle. That was, yeah. but other than that, but other than that, you're kind of correct.
0: But for the most part, he did what was asked of him and That's he right? took what was asked of him. He didn't force anything truly, not badly, not really badly. I know the one where, okay, the one throw. The seam, uh, that was bad. But otherwise, grand scheme of things, it was a really small sample to evaluate. He led four scoring drives. Now, was that all him? No, particularly early on, they still relied heavily on the ground game. Right. But he was at quarterback for four scoring drives. Still at the first team line, still with a, you know, a litany of receivers, other things got guys involved. You know, did his job. And yep. when Butterfield came in, you know, really small sample, only, you know, two or three and several handoffs, but same thing, did his job for the limited sample that was. But no, I wasn't going to the nth degree by way of breaking down every which thing from them because again, it was, especially for Butterfield's case at that point, you know, they, they both kind of emptied their benches. Uh, at that point, no. So as a whole, like Mario said yesterday, like it said after the game originally, and Joe Moorhead said it yesterday solid, solid, yeah. Not, you know, the, not not cause they didn't or, mess it up.
1: <laughs>
0: or, they they went in, they kept cool, calm, and collected. They did their jobs, did what they were supposed to do, played as they play in practice. Again, all the you know, kind of coach speak <clears throat> stuff. The point is, is that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear <laughs> what you don't want to hear, particularly against an FCS opponent with quarterbacks getting their first opportunities is basically what you heard from Jed fish. And this is the perfect transitional point as we set up for really the point of our discussion here today, which is Arizona. And that is our quarterbacks don't know what they're doing. Right. And that's quite literally what Jed fish said after Arizona's lost to Northern Arizona. So that's exactly what you don't want to hear in coach speak from young quarterbacks is, our quarterback didn't know what to do. Uh, Oregon didn't have to say that. They said, yeah, they were solid. They did what they were supposed to do.
1: So here's- Arizona, on the other
0: hand, has quarterbacks. many quarterbacks, doesn't know who its starter is, hasn't known who its starter is, and it's not for good reasons. It's right. for- before,
1: before we get to that, I got one more point on Thompson. So we know now that he's this backup, for sure, 100%, right? Which <laughs> so that-
0: was kind of worth
1: Pretty much story. a given anyway. But here's one thing. <clears throat> there was a lot of noise. About who should be the starter. I'm sure you noticed all that. Some people calling for Thompson because he has some decent scrimmages or whatever. The fact that they ran such simple stuff for him, even when the game was not, you know, 17-7 coming into the second half, the stuff they ran was pretty simple stuff. Like the concepts are high school concepts. Tells me that there's no way this kid would be ready to be the starter. Would have got, he would have got smoked at Ohio State. And I'm not being mean. just, she's a true freshman. So I just hope fans can get away from the tie time. We want Ty Thompson stuff. Even in a game like Stony Brook, you can run more complex actions and, and concepts with your quarterback. If he's ready to do that stuff and they kept it, but why would you even
0: show it? If show, you, what, let, what are let, you showing? You can three. run the
1: same, you can run the same plays you ran against Ohio State. The, all this show stuff. They're, they're, they 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 do not have plays that. People haven't seen before. There's a billion different plays you can run. There's a ton of plays you can run that you ran against Ohio State or that you know other teams know you have based on last year. There's things you can run besides hitch with a corner. Hitch with a corner is literally Pop Warner play. Everyone runs it. So it's the simplest play, one of the simplest 2 route plays you have. So all I'm saying is that they kept it extremely vanilla for him, which tells me that they know he probably isn't ready for completely complex stuff that brown is doing that's all i'm saying maybe i'm wrong but that's all i'm saying we can move on if you if you yeah like.
0: ultimately perhaps the other side of the coin is just again for devil's advocate purposes why what why overcomplicate it particularly at 17-7 you knew that they were going to rely on the ground game just you as they, the they, they took the lead in the fourth quarter where they go to the ground game because that is still the identity of everything That's what they did until it got comfortable. All right. Then he threw, uh, you know, again, through the, the, yes, a very open wheel, uh, to Thornton, but nevertheless, no, not a complicated situation by any stretch of the imagination, but they did not do anything on either side of the ball, regardless who the quarterback was, regardless what the personnel package was on offense, defensively. They did not do anything complex or complicated on Saturday. And I, I don't knock them for that because I think you want to tr- you should be able to beat Stony Brook handily with a very remedial playbooking game. But I'm not
1: talking about beating Stony Brook. I'm talking about your freshman quarterback getting live reps with first-team guys and yeah. running first-team offense stuff. And, yeah. it, and the idea of not showing it doesn't make any sense because you can run the stuff that you showed against Ohio State they're going to see that stuff on film anyway. You're getting your guy reps and he's not going to start against Arizona anyway or any other game. So my, all I'm saying is that I believe wholeheartedly that Anthony Brown is way ahead of Ty Thompson in terms of running a, a college, major college football team. That's all I'm saying.
0: Don't disagree because one's a six-year senior and the other one's in his third third game one with one real game time. Right. But
1: I'm, yeah. what I'm saying is that there are a lot of people out there saying – that Ty Thompson should start over Brown, and I'm just saying that to me. That game showed that that's just ridiculous. No, one, almost,
0: no one is more popular in sport. So that's that's everywhere. Again, we can go. We can rattle off every which name of true freshmen, redshirt freshmen who have done really well, maybe even won the Heisman Trophy. How they played early in their careers and in FCS games. Right. You got the number three team in the country, the number four entering Saturday. Let's not overcomplicate this. They beat up and beat and beat a mediocre to bad FCS team by six scores. The house and the stat lines and what they chose to run there within whatever. Ultimately, they won on to the next to, to Arizona uh and the week that is, and I already mentioned it a little bit, obviously. Not a uh Not a great home game for Oregon, uh, by way of, from a a true appeal standpoint, unfortunately for the Ducks, this for mainly for the athletic department standpoint, more than anything. And for fans, uh, just a bad break in the scheduling cycle this year. And that and, and both the scheduling cycle and the fact of the way where the teams all found themselves, where the road trips in conference play, are more appealing than the home games in conference play for Ducks fans, for people who want to buy tickets. It is what it is. And it starts here with this Arizona game, obviously Colorado as well. So the two teams who are picked to finish 6th and 5th in the South, uh, and Arizona, who was almost unanimously picked to finish 6th in the South. And it's, boy, you want to talk about week 1s and overreactions and whatnot. Oregon-Fresno State. Was that an overreaction? Boy, it's certain, certainly starting to look that way. And another overreaction was Arizona. Boy, did they give everybody a little bit of sense of hope by the way they competed against BYU? Uh, yeah, too much hope. Uh, reality has come a crashing down on Arizona and Jed Fish. And I don't blame him for every which thing. He inherited a humongous rebuild and they have overhauled the roster as much as they possibly can in one offseason. But quarterback is one of those areas where they did not manage to radically improve by any stretch of the imagination. So your thoughts just initially, and we'll get into a little bit more specifically, but thoughts entering this Arizona week, big picture, Aaron. Oregon's 3-0, and that's where they want to be. They're number three in the country. However, the Pac-12 also is where it is as a conference at this point. What is your... 30,000 foot perspective before we get more into Arizona.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, if ever there's going to be a Pac 12 game this year where you would say that Oregon has virtually no chance of losing, I think this would be it. <laughs> uh, it, it should, it should be a route. And quite frankly, and we can get more on this later, I think they need to blow these guys out like or, Oregon. Oregon has to win with some style points. And this, this is the type of team, unless, unless they win it, they run a the table, they're going to be in the playoffs. No problem. But this is the team to me. I, I want to see them throttle this team, like just eliminate them right away. I want to see Ty Thompson again in the third quarter because this game's over. So we can dive more into this, but they're, they're just bad.
0: Yeah. I, and I, I don't disagree to your to general premises there. Uh, I do think that Arizona. Will uh, very much try to do, and, and many teams, frankly, uh, you know, even the following week with Stanford, you know, the way they are historically, I think many teams are going to try to take a page or pages from Stony Brook, Stony Brook and <laughs> Fresno State. Stop, I'm talking more schematically, more more I'm, strategically, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, in, in terms of ball control, in terms of twelve personnel and overloading one side of the line. Uh, and basically daring Oregon to actually match them or not, uh, tempo more. Stony Brook really didn't employ tempo. And I think the one time they did, or one of only two times that they did, they actually had a false start. <laughs> so it just shows you how ill-conceived that was. Uh, right. But for the first two weeks, obviously, tempo was a problem. And when Ohio State went tempo and the 12 personnel, where they also only shot themselves in the foot on a false start, Oregon's defense has struggled. And I think Arizona is a team who has used multiple tight ends. I don't know how much heavy on 12 necessarily, but they have used a couple of tight ends already early in the season. Sure. Stanford, everybody in the North does, uh, and, and Stanford more than anybody. So into the big picture, I think that I agree with your premise, Oregon should and probably even quote-unquote needs uh, to really beat up on Arizona. The issue is, with teams who want to play stylistically a certain way, particularly ball control, early, is, well, how do you break them out of that before halftime? The only way to do that is either defensive scores, force a whole bunch of three and outs, and get and capitalize and score accordingly. And the one big picture thing to me that's been more of a trend beyond this, this, yes, the Stony Brook game has been Oregon has had a chance in all three games to take a decided momentum stranglehold and not gotten it, and that has been in the middle eight. That was an area that they excelled at last season, particularly early in the season. Remember, the plays right before halftime, the pick six against UCLA, the momentum shift with Washington State. Those big plays on both sides of the ball. Obviously, this is the pick six with, with UCLA into the half. But they have put them, on one hand, put themselves in position offensively to capitalize on those spots. On the other hand, they have not necessarily executed and completed the task at hand. Against Fresno State, they scored. What happened? Fresno State came right back, tempo, scored in two minute and answered. Start the second half, and CJ slips on the fourth and one. All right, well, that's just bad luck more than anything. Mm -hmm. But you had an opportunity to double dip, totally take command in the middle eight, scored, Fresno State scores, you fail to convert. Ohio State, penalty on a play that brought you inside the red zone, that dies. All right, well, Ohio State doesn't score. Open the second half, C.J. Ferdell for 70-plus. All right, but you could have scored before that, didn't quite double dip, obviously got the dominance by you know on the early third quarter but the double dip would have been enormous this past week penalty on a third down conversion that on a drive that would have extended into the final four minutes it did not yes got the interception drove back-to-back sacks start the third quarter basically with a three and out that didn't have much of an offensive series ultimately scored first but again Chances were there to double dip around the middle eight and just completely put away teams. And they've won. That's all that matters. But against a team like Arizona, if you have that opportunity again, Oregon has to, has to end the game. End the game. Don't let, don't let teams believe.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, Stony Brook was able to lie to themselves enough at halftime and say, could have, would have, should have been 17, 14. And we can hang with these guys and we yeah. only got 30 more minutes and all the, you know, all the stuff that you'd say if you were in there. We would shock
1: the world. Right.
0: Well, <laughs> but they're allowed to believe it. That's right. At 17, seven, you allow <laughs> that team to believe. If their
1: quarterback didn't make three or four just hideous
0: uh, the throws. The second interception they- was embarrassingly bad. That's but a game of their head, quarter. We're dealing with FCS now. Point is, is when you have a chance, as, as Moorhead matured the analogy when I asked him about it yesterday, you want to equate it to boxing. You got somebody on the ropes. You, you don't let them out, and you don't let them get saved by the bell. You have to drop them. That has to improve. Now that in weeks one, two, and three, no matter who the opponent is, that doesn't have the killer instinct doesn't necessarily have to be there when you have a still relatively speaking older, but inexperienced offensive line. First time with this team starting quarterback and you know, plenty of injuries on defense. Can that come as the season goes? Yes. But when we're talking about big picture, where the Pac 12 stands, where they are, they're perfectly well situated. But given that the Pac twelve has already fallen off as badly as it has, thanks mainly to the LA schools uh and, and mainly the South Division as a whole, uh, quite honestly. The margin for error is really thin. The mar if not non-existent in terms of playoff consideration and those sorts of things. So for that, bottom line, uh they have to, against a bad team like Arizona, yeah, they have to capitalize when they have every opportunity to do so and they need to put the game away and they need to look authoritative in doing it. I agree.
1: You're listening to ducks confidential. We'll be back after a quick break. So Arizona, (laughs) 2.9 2.9 yards per carry on the ground, five touchdown passes, six interceptions. This is an offense that they should be able to get three and outs against pretty easily. So it, it seems like the only thing that I would look at and nitpick a red flag over would be, you talked, you asked Mario about this. They like to blitz. They're bringing guys. They're, they're, they're trying to throw things at the quarterback. Now they only have four sacks, but they do have 21 TFLs. Um, and this team struggled and to protect their quarterback against Stony Brook. Do you think? Arizona at all can make life difficult for Brown and 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 uh, and ultimately keep the game closer than we think it should be because they're not giving up a ton of points this year, aren't they? Only nineteen points per game allowed.
0: Yeah, but a lot of their numbers are really misleading. Quite honestly, um, and, and the numbers that truly, the numbers that truly count, they're really bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it just is what <laughs> it is. So, bottom right. line. Uh, will Arizona generate pressure? Yes, because that's what they do. It's that the, you, you there's really no way to quote unquote stop that unless you go seven man protection or eight man protection and that's not Oregon. So if Oregon's gonna do what it does and in base eleven, mainly, mainly, well, then there's gonna be some pressure to be had. there is. And can you work your way around that? Can you scheme around that with quick throws, with screens, with pitches, with uh, draws in particular? Yeah. Yeah. Now, having a mobile quarterback helps a little bit too because Brown can be able to evade it and uh, also, again, break off you know design quarterback runs uh, that much easier. But in terms of generating pressure, that was a concern in week one with Fresno State, something that they do really well. It proved to be a problem. That was a concern in week two. Uh, Schematically, they did the right stuff to really prevent Ohio State and and played great on the line all day. Uh, But the unbalanced formations really messed with Ohio State badly, and they outplayed Ohio State. Outplayed, out-schemed, out-coached, out-everything. Stony Brook, uh, on a couple of plays, generated pressure by design and a couple of other instances, believe it or not, outright just won one-on-one battles. They just did on a couple of instances, not a lot, but a couple. So for Arizona, again, are they prolific? Are they terrific? No, no, but they do have a couple of defensive linemen who will generate some pressure and a linebacker who, no, their linebacking core was not good the past several years. Then they had a bunch of guys transfer. So what they have left by way of personnel is not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. But will a, Don Brown defense generate pressure. Yeah, because that's just what the man does. He blitzes as much or more than any coordinator in the country. So they're going to blitz. They're going to blitz when it's out the shoot and it's 0-0. They're going to blitz when they're down 10. They're going to blitz when they're down 21. That's just what they do. Uh, So, yes, the onus will fall on the Oregon offensive line, whether it's the starting five, the... Number three and four tackles, the outright second team, whoever it is to protect whoever is at quarterback at the given time, because there will be pressure. They're, they're not going to suddenly, Don, Don Brown's not going to suddenly walk into Otton Stadium and say, guys, the only way we have a chance to win is if I drop eight all day. That, that, that's just not happening. <laughs> so, so that's, that's where I say, yes, the pressure standpoint on that side of the ball, that's really almost, almost, all there is to talk about for Oregon's defense against the Arizona, uh, Oregon's offense against the Arizona defenses. They have to be able to contain and prevent pressure and free hits on the quarterback. That's it. It's going to be a lot of blitz pickup.
1: So there's a lot of question about their quarterback. Gunner Cruz lit up, uh, BYU, I think. Yeah. He, he, he kept him in that game against BYU, but he might not start. This week against Oregon. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. And the fact that they hung with BYU. Now, who's BYU? I don't know. They're 3-0. Uh,
0: they, they would lead the Pac-12 South is who BYU is.
1: Right. They're 15th in the country and Arizona hung with them. So you never know, man. Things get wild, especially at night. So let's get back though. Unless you have anything more about Arizona, let's get back to the idea of well, can this team run the table based on what you've seen through three games. Of course they can, but are you, do you feel confident about it?
0: I think that – well, for this week, obviously, it's it's, it's not a, a question. Um The the only two things, uh, otherwise, uh, before we just completely move on to it, Arizona-wise oh, to sure. pay attention to is we mentioned the Blitz, obviously, on that side, yes. But the the only two personnel names that you really need to know from an Oregon fan perspective, if you're going to the game, if you're watching the game, is Stanley Berryhill, a receiver, mm-hmm. who they get the ball to in any way imaginable. Uh, and Christian Roland-Wallace, who – I would not be surprised if Oregon just doesn't throw his way a whole lot. And that's not because of, oh, afraid of whoever. No, it's, he's really good. And the rest of Arizona's secondary is uh, not. Uh, And that's really all there is to it, is Roland Wallace. If Roland Wallace would start at corner anywhere in the league. He would be a starter anywhere in the league. He just happens to be on the league's worst team, but he is a legitimately good corner, really good corner. So they have talent at receiver, their number one receiver, literally number one. Uh, and they have talent at at corner with Roland Wallace. Those are the two main names to follow quarterback wise. You're right. Whether it's Cruz, whether it's McDonald, uh, excuse me, McLeod, uh, or Plummer. We we don't know. We probably won't know until game time. And it's not because of gamesmanship, like I say. Listen to what Jed Fish had to say after their loss in Northern Arizona. And he's going through and saying, our quarterbacks quite literally don't know what we're looking to execute. <laughs> that And that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's as real as it gets.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is.
0: That's saying, we don't know what we are looking to achieve on a play, what we are looking for on a play. That's a problem. That's not and that you can go into and we're not here to regale Arizona and, and 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 cover every which aspect of what they've done since they showed up. No. That's their problem, but it's a problem. So, regardless of who starts at quarterback, regardless of who plays at quarterback for Arizona, Oregon has lots of things going for it. And with a little bit of a replenished depth chart, And you hope that everybody uh, is able to get back, uh, Thibodeau, Swinson included, although Swinson sounds doubtful, and we'll see on Thibodeau. Oregon is not going to need one or either of them to win and win handily by any stretch. But having some depth back on the edges will help uh, for sure. And like I say, they do have a talented receiver, and they do have a really talented corner. But that's the only thing on Arizona. To your point, you're getting back to what you were getting to. Are they capable of running the table? Yes. Uh, right now, during this week, there's quite literally no concern whatsoever. For the following week with Stanford, it's always tough. They're always well coached. You always know it's going to be a ball control style of game. So possession is at a premium. I do. I think Oregon can still win at Stanford and beat Stanford and go into its bye week at five and zero. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Before I get too declarative, or you know, predict scores, I just want to see what Stanford and UCLA do on Saturday, because if Stanford goes out and handles UCLA like it handled USC. While everybody overreacted to Stanford getting waxed by Kansas State at the beginning of the season and not looking good in the process, that might be an overreaction too. Because, and frankly, it looks like it is. Not just because Kansas State's three and zero against a weaker schedule so far, but yeah, they're like a top twenty five team. You know, believe it or not. Now, whether or not that is totally legit, we'll see. But what's Stanford done since then? Oh, well, you know, yeah, albeit. Uh, A USC team who then fired its coach and then, yes, a really overmatched opponent, but nevertheless, they've handled their business. Uh, And Stanford is usually a team who does incrementally get better over the course of a season. So if UCLA beats up on them, which frankly, that's what Oregon needs right now, this, this weekend, it's what the league needs this weekend. That's one thing. If Stanford goes out there and lays the lumber, Oh, then I think that test in Palo Alto looks a little bit more challenging. But regardless, can they go undefeated and run the table? Yes. How confident am I that they will today? I'd say there's certainly no less than a 50% chance. I don't know if I you know you start getting into like sixty seventy percent I, I I can't start projecting out in November who's injured who's not you know who's who's managed to circle the wagons who hasn't uh, who you know is is Washington an offense that is uh, actually mildly capable or are they the disaster that they were the first two weeks? I, I don't know. you know I just know that they're coming off a 52 to three win you know against Arkansas State. So it's just a little early for some of the stuff when you got into November in particular. But with the way the division is shaping up in particular, I mean, let's put it this way. They're going to be favored in every game they play. They're going to be expected to beat everybody they play. And I don't think either one of those things is wrong. And you tell me, Aaron, but I I don't – is there anybody you'd make a case for in the Pac-12, quote-unquote, even as the home team when they are on the road?
1: If Oregon loses to Stanford when they play US- UCLA, that could be a three-point line. Who knows? But, uh no, I agree. One-off one, one off against any, every team on their schedule, you would pick Oregon to win. But I think the only reason why anyone would believe this team right now could go undefeated in the conference are the two reasons. One, the conference is just bad right yeah. now. And then, two, they beat Ohio State. So, had they lost Ohio State, I don't think people – would be as confident. For me personally, I think I said this to you in one of our podcasts, I always look for something special about a team that's going to make them so dominant in that area that they're going to overwhelm teams and then they're just not have a chance to pull off the upset. And I just don't see any aspect of this team being special through three weeks. I mean, the running game is not special. The passing game is not special. The defense is not special. Um, They're just good. Now, that could change. I'm not saying they're not going to be special. I'm just saying based on what we've seen, So that leads me to believe that on any given day, one or two of those three things can be subdued and then boom, you've got a game. And if you have a game in the second half, anything can happen. The closer games are in the second half, the more close games you have in the second half, the more likelihood you're going to drop one. And we saw that in 19 with Arizona State. And that team, I looked, I just went back to look at that. That team had so many games where you you just mentioned before how you got to take teams out, knock them out. Why was it 17-7 against Cal? Even the Stanford game, twenty-one-six. Stanford wasn't all that. Washington game, four points. Washington State, they had to come back to win that one, right at home, thirty-seven,
0: thirty-five. It was a shoot. Then they
1: they blow out USC. They take care Arizona. Now you're thinking, okay, now they turn the corner. And then boom, Arizona State game, they lost. And then even the Oregon State game, they looked mediocre in that game. So my point is, right now, I see a team that's probably going to end up in three or four games where in the late third quarter, at least, it's still a game, and that law of averages. They're just going to drop one until I see that they can be just dominant or special in one area. That's I'm, I just feel like they're going to lose.
0: There's three or four Pac-12 teams on their schedule who they're going to be in a competitive game within the second half.
1: Absolutely. Stanford, UCLA, at Washington, probably at Utah are all possible. So all the road games. Um, and, that's all, and that's all based – well, road games and those are usually pretty good teams, or at least if UCLA yeah, is back.
0: Well, I understand, but I'm saying – so you're saying all the road games are going to be real challenging.
1: Yeah, and then you're on the road on top of that. And, you know, they haven't they, – they've dominated one half of football. Right? The, half, the second half against Stony Brook. Would you, I mean, I guess – could you say they dominated a half against Fresno? Uh, not really. 17-13 at halftime? No. So they've dominated one half of football, and there's been six halves.
0: They have not dominated. A, yeah, I mean, you'd say the second half, obviously, Stony Brook, such as it was. Uh, That's it. They had they had a Yeah, because Ohio State was a competitive second half for sure. It was tied in uh, the second
1: half. They won the first half 14-7. So, yeah, they haven't dominated a half of foot, football yet.
0: They have had dominant moments. But not strung together over a a, a prolonged enough period of sustained sustained dominance. They have had momentary dominance. They had they had nearly a full dominant first quarter against Fresno State out of the box until <laughs> KT went down. That was as dominant as it could look, quite frankly. Yeah. Until he got true. hurt. Until that's he got true. hurt. And, so. and
1: maybe KT will change all that with the defense. Maybe he'll right. Get that's and that's kind of a wild. A to it. That's why right. I say
0: like three games in. It's it's just hard to. Hard to get into what's, what's it going to look like in Salt Lake City in mid November.
1: Right. But, um, or, but the thing is, Oregon's only done it once. Like, and, and, and it feels like, and when you look at every time they, they fell, they were heavily favored. 2011, well, they lost LSU, but 2011 at home against USC, they were a big favor in that game, lost. 2012, Stanford, lost. 2013, Stanford, lost. At Arizona, lost. 2014, home Arizona, big favorite, lost. And those were the years where they were chasing national title. 2019. Did they have a chance to make the playoffs? Yes, they did. What happened? Lost Arizona State. So it, it's hard to do. And so that's why I'm saying that this team does not look very dominant in any aspect of the game so far. Therefore, yes, I think my money, it would be on the losses coming. And can they survive that loss if the conference is boo-boo when the playoff committee sits down?
0: Well, the, for, for, for context purposes, since we're talking about the playoff on september 21st uh <laughs> is the, not the goal the, the one the one yeah but it's you know it's I, different I'm, than I'm NFL. Old, in the nfl you don't in the nfl you don't worry about it you know you're two and three games into the season and it was only two teams who made it to a national championship and uh you know people are still alive and, and we weren't talking about who the two teams are going to be before you know it was even the fall solstice but be that <laughs> as may.
1: but you uh, have to go undefeated it, it, yeah. uh, well, yeah. they can lose one but, maybe, but, but it's there, so it, it matters.
0: Point is, is when you bring up the questions about dominance through three games, who in the country has been?
1: Who in the country has dominated teams? Yeah. Has had dominant games? Yeah. No one's had dominant games?
0: Ask Nick Saban if Alabama has dominated more than one half of football. I'm, I'm you'll, well, you'll get a I mean, a podium, I mean, Nick smacking, Saban. tongue I mean, lashing of an all time.
1: Next, I mean Nick Saban's living in his own world. I mean, I'm not. I don't expect him to be. But how they come more, out the following week
0: after any, he said that?
1: Anything more than, came than a politician?
0: Garbage <laughs> offensive possessions against an FCS team. Okay, uh, then they just obviously played a really competitive Florida team and looked dominant at points, and then all of a sudden the second half to your point, close game, on the road, setting, environment, noise, the whole boot, and had to hang on. So they are not the unstoppable juggernaut. Obviously, Ohio State and Clemson have already lost. Georgia has had its moments, but even in beating Clemson and looking really good, obviously, on the defensive front, that's kind of their uber strength right now, uh are they dominant? Dominant on the defensive line, but have they dominated necessarily? Uh well, yeah, South Carolina was a five score underdog going into that game. So whatever they did in handling them was like, well, that was expected. So ultimately, and the teams were in the conversation. Oklahoma, they were dominated. So in the conversation of where they fall in the playoff conversation early, as ridiculous as this is. Georgia's
1: given up good. Georgia's given up twenty three points, dude. Yeah,
0: their defense is terrific. It's otherworldly.
1: Well, th- that's but, special. They're special but, at something. They're special at defense. That's my point. Yeah, the defense right now about, is special. Or, but you go, back you, not special.
0: You go back a couple of weeks and it wasn't just that they need anything special. It was that a team may need a special quarterback. Georgia's offense has not been. So, yeah, the defense has been special. Yes. Really good. Unbelievable, even.
1: So they've been better than Oregon? On defense. They have On 106 defense. points. The points are – yeah, Oregon has more points.
0: On defense. Right now, the one thing that I – in terms of going forward, where do you put the areas where Oregon could become dominant – Obviously on the defensive line when fully stocked and Thibodeau is there. And in the front seven. Uh that's one in particular. Two. And with that, I think that would boost some passing numbers. Some. Some. You generate more pressure, it generally means <laughs> the passing will, will improve as well. Uh Bama was up
1: 31-0 on Mercer, FYI.
0: Yeah, but again, look at the first two possessions and uh I'm not talking. Okay. It was
1: everyone has bad possessions. I'm not nitpicking possessions. I'm just Okay. It was after Con- they laid
0: down the law about Conclu- not playing very well uh, against uh, <laughs> for for a whole game against Miami. They came out and and had a three yeah. and out and looked were fumbling all over themselves. Point is, is where do I think Oregon could become dominant? Obviously, on the defensive line, particularly against Pac-12 competition, and I do think that this running game particularly against Pac-12 competition has. The capability of being dominant. I think you saw it be dominant at Ohio State. Well. The ground game. Now you could say, "Well, they put in well; it was a whole lot of scheme." Credit credit the scheme, don't credit the player. Well, no, I, I, it, it goes hand in hand. You can't you can't just say the coach is brilliant and he put the players in position to succeed, and oh, lo and behold, uh, uh, you know anybody could have succeeded. Well, yeah, but the player actually has to do it. The player is the guy who's got to hit another guy who's 300-some-odd pounds, got to block this guy, got to move you – know, Oh, they executed it. There's so no
1: doubt they executed it. I wouldn't say they were dominant. So the point that's is, okay.
0: I do think that the ground game has the chance to be dominant. Whereas, right. I, look, this team isn't going to suddenly start throwing for 350, 400 yards a game, much as fans may want it. That's not going to happen. So where are there areas that they could be? That's some of the areas that I think they could be. Okay. Could be. That's, that's – that not is fair completely yet, fair, especially
1: yet. since we haven't seen them with their best defensive player for more than the first quarter of the game of the season. He Basically. Could, he could help Basically. make them dominant. You are absolutely one hundred correct percent correct. And uh to me that's they need to find some area where they're dominant if they're gonna if they're gonna run the table. Because it's gonna be a bear as of right now. As far as I'm concerned. But we'll see. That's what makes the season so entertaining and fun, the mystery of it all, man. Who is this team? I, Who is Ohio I State? I don't
0: disagree. I don't disagree. Be, My thing is, is I, I also, I also do not believe like you though. I, I don't believe that they will be in four. I don't think all of the road games are going to be competitive. The second uh, in the fourth quarter, I, I don't think they all will.
1: Neither.
0: I'm not saying that none of them will be, but I don't think all four road games well, are going. I, to I don't be. think.
1: I don't think I. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying all four are guaranteed to be. I'm saying those are the four I could definitely see being. And then there's going to be a mystery game. There's going to be a mystery team in here where it's like, "Oh hell. What's going on? Why why is this close?" That's going to I I'd, happen I'd love
0: to say I'd love to say there's some capability like that. Man, I'm just not seeing it.
1: Stony Stony Brook was down 17-7 seven at half. Stony oh, Brook. Stony oh, Brook right, that's my, okay. I said in, right. So if Stony Brook can be relatively close at half. A Pac-12 team can be regu- relatively close going into the fourth. No?
0: Coming into Odson? I wish you guys could see.
1: James, give me that look. I'm just saying
0: the teams who are coming into Odson we're talking about now. Not just the road games.
1: Every team on this schedule has a chance to create an oblique moment with Oregon. Just like Oregon State did. Oregon State State 2019. What happened to Oregon State? Oregon State 2019. Oregon State 2019. I'm not saying they're Uh. going, listen, I'm not saying they're going to. I'm saying one of them will, will have a chance just on happenstance, just on injuries, turnover, freak, punt return, blah, blah, blah. Again, go back to, I mean, I have these same, I have these same conversations every year with people who think I'm just insane. And then it happens where you're like, Oregon State game. The year they went to the Rose Bowl, the Oregon State game. What was the score in the fourth quarter? 17-10. And how many touchdowns did Oregon have Mm -hmm. on offense? One. Fourth quarter, Oregon had one offensive touchdown, and it was Oregon State. Was Oregon State any good that year? No. And their second offensive touchdown came in the final minutes after they forced a turnover. To make the score look a little bit better, play for in so, the
0: game. They had something to play for in the game as a whole, and rivalry games can be odd. No, but that dude, doesn't Oregon excuse anything. They, they should have been a more that, dominant performance. That's than all. It was. That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. The
1: no one saw that his, coming. What, what was the spread on that game? Like 90? <laughs> I'm not sure not ninety? I'm it wasn't ninety, but, but it was probably is, thirty.
0: For for the teams who are coming into odds in this this season. Now again, Oregon State is the one where that's really far off. Where it's quite insane. frankly, I'm not sure entirely all we know about them just yet. But be that as it may. Well, I'll say I cannot I, I cannot bend in enough directions <laughs> to conceive a way where Arizona or Colorado or even Cal are gonna push Oregon
1: Dude, oh,
0: this season. Okay. And, Wazoo, it's I don't know. I, I have no idea what that's gonna look like again, at that I'm point. I'm taking the I field. I'm taking the
1: field here. Arizona State was what? Five and five? And Oregon was a 20 point, 16 point, 20 point favorite at that, in that game, nine and one, just pummeled USC two, two weeks prior. Huge favorite at Arizona State. Did you go to Arizona State thinking that game was going to be close? What was your prediction? Should I go back and find your sneak peek? I should go find your sneak peek. I, I, I bet it was Oregon by twenty something, right?
0: I I. I that, yeah. that, that's that's I picked pick Oregon saying. to win the game. Yes, I did.
1: But that's yeah. all I'm saying. It was they but, lost, and then Oregon State was closer than it should be. Even the Washington State game at home. Yeah,
0: but Arizona State had two NFL receivers, a NFL running back.
1: Washington State was three and a Really and four.
0: dynamic quarterback.
1: Washington State Which was three and four. Which one of these teams coming into
0: OTS has a NFL quarterback, NFL running back, and two NFL okay. wide receivers on it?
1: Okay, they're going to blow out everybody.
0: No, I'm saying I don't see the team who's coming into Odson who has the talent okay. capable of hanging. And you might be right. I think Cal defensively can pose a challenge. I think Cal offensively is still a bit of a mess. Yes, I know how last year's game worked. I, I don't go everything to history by way of, oh, two years ago it was this, three years ago it was it's that. About proba- it's about probability.
1: Team- it's creating probability, even last year with the Ducks. Again, the only reason... Like seriously, the only reason people think Oregon is dominant right now is because they beat Ohio State. That's it. Cause if you go back and look at last year, they lost to Oregon State. They lost to the Cal. They got pushed around by Iowa State. They looked okay against Fresno State, Stony Brook, Stony Brook. So what do we have to, la- what are we latching onto with Oregon being great? They beat which Ohio are, State. What, which are, That's which it. Which goes to my point of what I was asking
0: about basically <laughs> all the other teams who are in the top 10 who are considered national contenders. If you wanted to, you can come up with any which way to criticize basically every team in the country this year. There isn't that megalith, that, oh, my world, you know, this is just obscene, it's not even close situation three weeks into the season.
1: And I don't disagree with you.
0: you A month from now, and, and maybe Alabama or Georgia, somebody looks that way. But right now, there isn't somebody hitting on all cylinders just batting everybody away, thumping them in the line of scrimmage, uh, on both sides racking up the sacks, not allowing any yards and just throwing the ball over the field that's not happening okay nobody's doing that all right. nobody's doing that so we just gotta see yeah that's all of course look again they, they'll go into the bye week they'll play for Cal on a Friday night we're gonna know a lot more not just because oh it's two and three more games down the road but we're gonna not we're gonna know a lot more about this team after just two more games. Than we do Agreed. today.
1: Agreed. All right. I'm good. We'll, we'll have the same debate next week. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately,
0: <laughs> we obviously both believe Oregon will uh, dominate and win this one. I, yeah, I believe said, my early prediction. You got 42, seven, I, you said more 42 or less, 7. Yeah, 42 7. And I think it'll probably be something to that effect. Something to that effect.
1: I'm going to go 44
0: 17. <laughs> so you think, think Arizona is capable of scoring 17?
1: I'm just throwing out a number, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim my, right, that's, that's a, good, a lot. Is it a lot? You think so? See, I, okay. In, in games where I think there's going to be a blowout or most people think there's going to be a blowout, I'm factoring in the, the something happened touchdown, the unforeseeable, right? right? Like, like Ty Thompson comes in. There's a bad running back exchange. Handoff exchange on the ten, and they fumble it, and Arizona runs it in for a touchdown, or scores three plays later, like or a punt return, or it's just something, that, or you know, a garbage touchdown where Ducks have some guys out there who don't normally play, and there's a coverage breakdown. Like so, for me, that extra seven is really for that. I, I always account for that moment. I think I did that with Stony Brook. Anyway,
0: it didn't happen. Right. In this, in this case, that's that's just my seven period.
1: Yeah, you're, you're just like they they can't score more than seven. Whereas I'm saying you're probably right. They can't score more than seven. Straight up, I'm but just something's going to Arizona's happen. Head
0: coach. I'm just listening <laughs> to Arizona's head coach Aaron when Jed Fish says our quarterback doesn't know what we're looking to do on a given play. That's all I need to hear.
1: He's just trying to do that, that ball. and
0: being ranked tenth, eleventh, or twelfth <laughs> in the conference in every meaningful statistic.
1: Yeah,
0: not a great start. So those two You're things right. combined, when the head coach is saying quarterback doesn't know what in the world they're doing, and uh, whoever they you know, Jando. <laughs> Jimmy Doe and everybody, they don't know what they're doing. And, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, other than generating a lot of pass rush by blitzing like crazy, uh, they're not very good at anything. That's, that's, that's all uh, you I, need to I, hear. I and you,
1: I'm not saying dark you're wrong. Fans. I'm saying that I like to tack on an extra seven in these types of games just because sometimes Well, that may be happen.
0: we'll be debating next week because we may not have much <laughs> to discuss, quite frankly. But.
1: No, there will be. Something's going to happen, man. Something's going to happen. It always does in the Pac-12, especially at dark. So, anyway.
0: This – uh, this has been a, uh, the latest edition of the Ducks Confidential Podcast. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Reminder to, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, like, review. Helps everybody to find it. And appreciate everybody who already has and already does. Uh, but it's a reminder to do so in case you don't already. This is James Crepia. He is Aaron Fentress. We will see you next week.